Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Q-Tip podcast, the podcast brought to you by the financial services consulting firm Courses. On today's episode I was delighted to be joined by Kieran and Keith, two of our managing partners, and the head of our financial market infrastructure practice, Michael. This episode is the first of a two-part special discussing the importance of testing in an interconnected environment. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Keith, Michael and Kieran to discuss the importance of testing in an interconnected and ever-changing environment. So would you mind just uh, giving a little bit of a brief introduction to yourselves, starting with you, Keith? Sure, thanks, Adam. So I'm Keith Pritchard. I'm one of the partners at Corsus. My background is 30 plus years in technology and financial services, so working for several of the major investment banks, um, mainly derivatives and FX focused. Hi, um, and I'm Michael Hughes. I'm an associate partner here at Corsus. And uh, similar to Keith, I have a slightly blended background. I spent uh, 15 plus years in some tier one investment banks, doing a lot of change programs, a lot of project management um, in this capital market space and uh, subsequently moved on to Big Four Consultant before coming across here to Corsus, where I now lead the financial market infrastructure practice. Hi, Kieran Mullally, partner at Corsus and head of delivery. Um, my background is some 25 plus years in capital markets consultancy. Thanks, everyone. So we're here today to talk, as I mentioned earlier, about the importance of testing in an interconnected environment. And obviously, it's is something that is quite complex otherwise i wouldn't need everyone else here to opine in more in more detail i would be able to do it unfortunately i can't so i'm going to come to you keith and ask why why is it such a complex issue and a problem in in today's environment so maybe if i approach the problem from a technologist viewpoint you know testing software can be quite straightforward in that you can write very well bounded and well described test cases or test scripts to execute and then the software either succeeds or it fails where things get very complex is when that process that you're testing spans multiple interactors so you know, typically within a you know, financial services a transaction will involve more than one just party could be a, a centralized utility yourself and a counterparty so it becomes very complex when you're trying to test a an end-to-end -end business process flow that involves multiple participants. And the complexity is the participants might not react or acting exactly the way you expect them to. So there's an importance to have well-scripted test cases that you're going to execute, but still getting those executions coordinated and synchronized is you know, phenomenally complex. Keith, I'd agree. I think some of the dependencies between different parts of the infrastructure in in testing in these environments is you know is a challenge whether that's buyers or sellers data contributors data consumers or front to back flow where one part of that process is dependent on something further upstream or further downstream and whilst one part of that may be okay um if it's dependent on another part of the flow or another participant in that flow then you can have challenges and if you don't have transparency around that then it can become yeah, very inefficient. It can become 
complex. I think the other challenge is, is a lot of the time these are very critical processes in 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 market infrastructure. So getting them right is is very important to potentially to systemic market risk. So there's obviously a, a big focus on testing. It's very important, but that can mean it can be take time and become very complex and costly. I think that's that's right, Kieran. And, and that, that point about time is interesting because it, it does take time. And I think we've all worked on projects before where because testing's the last part, it's almost bef- before the go live. The, the delays can often creep in and testing cycles can get compressed. And there's and then it ends up actually costing you a lot more time post go live in fixing issues and, and resolution that, that, you know, raising the profile of testing and making sure that everyone understands that through the flow and allows enough time for it's often critical. I think you can find some of the typical challenges with with any sort of testing process can be multiplied. So be that environments or you know, common reference data, a number of the things that will challenge firms anyway. If you multiply that across multiple different actors, yeah, you know, just become a lot bigger if they're not managed effectively. And the other thing I think is you're often when you're testing at an industry level, you're often dealing with the foibles of each participant in that market's own internal infrastructure. So bank A's infrastructure might handle partial unwinds in a slightly different way from bank B's. So if you've got a test case which is saying, well, how does a partial unwind work in this new environment? Understanding how the foibles of all the, you you can have hundreds of participants in the market, how all the foibles of their own internal systems and their own internal processes and governance, et cetera, come together to give you the confidence that you've actually tested this new infrastructure or new new service completely thoroughly. And as Kieran said, yeah, as these become more and more important and systemically important for the markets, yeah, that is just something that's very difficult to give yourself confidence. Actually, we've tested and catered for all the possible combinations of nuances of how the interactors will interact. I suppose that's where the transparency piece that you mentioned, Kieran, becomes very important because if there are so many different actors in the ecosystem, you need to have transparency over every different possible kind of interaction that could take place. And that sort of leads us on to the next point around why why is this more of a discussion topic now than it possibly has has been in the past? And Michael, I was wondering if you could help explain. So, so I think it, it goes back, Adam, to a couple of words you've already said. One right at the off when you framed this whole conversation, you talked about how the environment was interconnected. And then in the way that you just paraphrased uh, the responses there, the capital, capital markets industry truly is an ecosystem that all the players are dependent on each other. And that's not just the big investment banks, but the buy side clients, the custodian banks, the financial technology providers, the utilities, the the financial market infrastructure. It is this big web of interconnected flows within that space. We've certainly definitely over the last 10 or 15 years, the markets have through first through regulations have driven firms towards having to collaborate. Firms have had to come together and solve problems um, in collaboration, not in isolation, to, to meet some of these regulations. And I think we see that that wave of the next wave of that collaboration now, when you look at the use of utilities and how financial institutions are thinking about collaborating either through the use of FMIs or through fintechs or through some partnership of, of the others 
to help meet some of their other challenges beyond regulation. So cost reduction, for example, there have been a lot of efforts done incrementally in isolation, which have kind of reduced costs to an extent. But if you're going to make those big transformational changes to a problem like cost or risk or resilience, often it's going to require you to come together and say mutualize those costs. So we're seeing that first wave of collaboration being built upon now to, to solve different problems. And that's just from the, the financial institutions. If you then look at the providers and the, the key spiders in the web of this, of this ecosystem, we're seeing them making their moves to consolidate, to partner, to work together to provide those industry solutions. So I think it's a story that's been growing for a while now, Adam, but just moving into that next phase. Leading on from that, are there any other tangible benefit, Kieran, that you think testing in this kind of interconnected environment can bring? Yes, I mean, Michael talked about collaboration around utilities, actually collaboration around testing, provide the transparency, provide the framework for people to collaborate effectively around that. Then there are opportunities to be able to be more efficient, to share knowledge and actually to help with more comprehensive testing and reduce risk. So if people are able to share knowledge on what the issues in testing are, what tests are and are blocked, what has been a challenge for different parts of the industry or different test scenarios, then that allows people to prioritise that testing resource more effectively by another participant in, in that flow. Typically, people are working on collaborating on challenges that may not be competitive differentiators. So it's something that everybody needs to get right and you know, have a you know, common interest to you know, make sure it's done in an effective manner. So if you can harness that pool of talent and people can collaborate effectively, and as you mentioned earlier, have the transparency around testing, then there are a lot of opportunities to do this in a more efficient, better controlled and more comprehensive manner. It's almost that multiplier effect that Keith was talking about at the beginning about why industry testing is that much more difficult because you have to bring in all the different players with their their individual processes once you get that working you get that multiplier effect goes in your favor as Kieran says there then you get the the knowledge sharing then you get the the lack of duplication then you get that enhanced collaborative effect so it's harder at the beginning but you get the the bigger rewards at the end is kind of how I frame it yeah, it's interesting, Michael, because I was going to say something very similar about you know, what I've seen when I've been managing some of these industry-wide testing initiatives that in, in a testing environment and testing scenario, you might get you know, the, the participants in bank A and bank B running a test case through and it make what bank B does makes it difficult for bank A and they'll have a discussion about it. And I've seen this happen where you know, one party to the trade will say, oh, I never realised that the way we did this made it difficult for people on the other side of the trade. So there's that it's not the main objective of this sort of industry-wide testing, but I think it's a, a collateral benefit, if you like, that it forces people to sit down and understand their little part of an end-to-end -end process. How does it impact the other actors in there? That all makes sense. And I, I don't know if there are any prominent examples any of you can think of benefits realised from a successful testing initiative. The only thing I'd say is you know, any of the large utilities, you know, clearing houses, anything like that, who have gone live will have been through these sorts of exercises. So, yeah, the fact that we have centralised utilities that can help the industry out, participate in regulatory reporting, act as central counterparties, the benefits that those utilities have brought to the market are as a result of having gone through a successful 
industry testing phase. So it's almost we wouldn't have those utilities if it wasn't for testing processes. I think we talked about some of the benefits that are on things that need to be put in place to make that happen. It, it isn't going to happen by, by by chance. So I think you know, you need, as we talked about before, transparency, be that through uh, common dashboards, uh, through a governance process, you know, to, to, to make that happen and allow people to share information in the way you know, Keith was describing. It needs some level of you know, common test scenarios and, and, and data to be agreed. And to do that, that needs that sort of planning up front. People need to obviously think about that plan for it as to how they're going to do industry testing in the most effective manner you know, and get that buy-in from you know, the different participants in that flow. But I think as we've discussed here, if you can get that and you make that upfront you know, investment to run the process in that way, um, it can you know, reduce risk and realise you know, a number of benefits. And that can cover a lot of things which are potentially seemingly quite simple, like jargon and language. Not not everyone refers to terms in the same way. And if as long as you get that level of understanding and standardization up front, that then gives you the the onward efficiency benefits when you actually go through the heat of the testing itself. I think that leads us on a little bit to how we'll round off this conversation. And Michael and Kieran have opened up the conversation here in terms of how do you actually make it work? And I think Keith, from your technologist and your experience with testing, are there any additional fundamentals to make these kind of testing initiatives work that you think are important to raise? Nothing that Michael and Kieran haven't sort of mentioned already, but I just sort of re-emphasize the, the key bits there, which are you're having well described and well understood test scenarios. So everybody who's participating, all the different actors understand that yeah, test 47, step eight, what that is and who's doing what. So making sure you've got that well understood test pack for want of a better word. Then obviously good governance and management of the testing process, which requires good MI about, well, what tests have been run, who's been successful, who hasn't, if they haven't been successful, why? Yeah, that helps you identify or we'll, we'll hang about let's let's move back that section of testing because it's been tested by five people already and it's all failed so let's not waste time by having those 34 actors in the market test that same stuff because we know there's problems with it or equally hang about yeah everybody who's dealing with participant z is having problems with this part of the process so maybe there's a problem with participant z rather than the infrastructure so you're having that yeah, Kieran mentioned it several times, that transparency around what is happening with the testing, where are there problems, where should we, in this huge complexity, where should we focus our effort on saying, well, let's let's get under the skin and work out why that piece isn't happening effectively. Yeah, that, that's absolutely critical to make any of these large industry-wide testing efforts successful, because otherwise it's just a whole spaghetti of trying to you know, chase down root causes of problems and unfortunately quite often ends up, you know, people pointing fingers at them saying, oh, well, no, I did this and you didn't. So having that clear MI around who's done what, what's been successful, where things haven't been successful, why, you know, is absolutely critical for me. I think that covers off the topic of conversation quite well. And unless there are any other final words of wisdom any of the participants wanted to, wanted to leave our audience with, I think we can round up the conversation for part one of this two-part podcast here. Well, I think you'll agree that was a very interesting episode and unfortunately the audio cut out right at the end, just as Kieran, Michael and Keith said, uh, said goodbye. Rest assured, they didn't leave me hanging on the call. 
that would have been very upsetting. So I guess it's left uh, left to me to say thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Please remember to rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening. Share it out on any social media platform of your choice. Part two of this podcast will be coming very, very shortly. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful day.